It is reassuring to know that when we can't trace his hand, we can trust his heart. A pleasant morning, everyone. I trust that we've been enjoying the worship so far, and I pray that as we continue to worship together, that we will all be blessed. Thank you, Elder, for your words of introduction, and thank you, Sandra, for that lovely song. In 2004, a science fiction psychological thriller film was released. And the film, written and directed by Eric Bress, starred Ashton Kutcher. The byline for the film was, change one thing, change everything. It was based on a principle that a small change at one point in time could lead to mind-boggling changes later. In the film, Ashton Kutcher could go back to his childhood and change experiences and events so that his present circumstances would be dramatically different. The title of the film, The Butterfly Effect. The title of the film reflects a metaphor that is commonly used in mathematics and also in meteorology. According to the butterfly effect principle, a seemingly minor event may, over time, lead to large unexpected consequences. So for example, a small atmospheric disturbance in China could result in a Category 12 hurricane in New York. Amazing. If that butterfly, if that small change had not occurred, if that butterfly had not flapped its wings, the path of the system might have been drastically different. The flapping wing or that small change represented a change in the initial condition of the system that would cause a chain of events that would lead to large-scale events later. Some of us may be able to recognize this butterfly effect principle in the dramatic episodes that characterize the early church as we see recorded in the book of Acts. For example, after a short sermon by Peter in chapter 2, we're told that about 3,000 souls were baptized. Roy Clements notes that the butterfly wing beats of those 12 unimpressive Galilean peasants was intensified and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And that turned their testimony into a revolutionary tide. In Acts 17 verse 6, we're told that these 12 unimpressive Galilean peasants were accused of turning the world upside down. The butterfly effect. If such very small changes 
equivalent to the flapping of a tiny one-inch wing belonging to a butterfly not weighing more than 0.001 ounce. If such small changes can rock the world, can you imagine the potential that lies in you and me? If those 12 unimpressive Galilean men, those first century disciples, small in number and insignificant by the world's standards, if they could be called, could be accused of turning the world upside down, can you imagine what we 21st century disciples could do if we were to cooperate with God and grow to our fullest potential? Have you ever stopped to consider the progress of your own spiritual journey? Bob Marley puts it this way. He says, Open your eyes and look within. Are you satisfied with the life you are living? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come today, you know our hearts. I pray that you'll hush our spirits, that you'll captivate our thoughts, that you'll imprison our minds, and that you'll set your Holy Spirit free to fill us and to transform us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Open your eyes and look within. Are you satisfied with the life you are living? Peter starts his second epistle in a similar way. And when you read it from the, the contemporary English version, he puts it this way. He says, brothers and sisters, this is the second letter I am writing to you so that you can do some honest thinking. But do we dare to look within? What will we find? Will we find Christian lives that are fulfilling, that are progressing? Will we, will we be satisfied? For some of us, we might be very dissatisfied. We might think that our Christian life has not gone the way we hoped, or even the way we expected. For others of us, we might be very satisfied. We've been in the church a long time, and now we're just cruising. Whichever group you are in, whether you're satisfied or dissatisfied, you might find, if you dare to look within, that now you're just going through the motions. It doesn't matter in which group you find yourself, you might find Christian lives that are very unfulfilling. Unfulfilled, unfulfilling. You might find it a struggle to come to church. You might find that the Sabbath is not such a delight that it should be. All the talk about constant in prayer and vision one million and Christ coming soon does not affect you in the way it should because you have not grown to the place to receive it. You may either feel that you do not qualify or that you have done enough already. Is that the way it should be? I don't think so. However small or weak 
or old you think that your wings may be, you can still cause a butterfly effect. God can still use you to turn the world upside down. Let's see what more we can learn from the butterfly. I'm going to ask you to look at the screen. Hopefully we'll be able to get the slide of the life cycle of the butterfly. And if you look at that life cycle of the butterfly, you'll see that the butterfly life cycle has four stages. In the first stage, it, it starts with an egg. The egg is laid, and that egg remains for about a week before it is hatched into a caterpillar. That caterpillar, that egg, sorry, is laid on a plant. And that butterfly deliberately lays that egg on the plant. When, not, same, same slide. When it's um, hatched on the plant, a week later, it grows, it's hatched into a caterpillar. And that caterpillar eats. And he eats. And he eats. And as the caterpillar eats, he grows. And he grows. And he grows. And he eats and he grows and he eats and he grows and he eats and he grows. And as he grows, the skin can't contain him anymore. And he wiggles out of that skin and pops out like electric boogie kind of thing. And he grows into a new skin. And he keeps doing that four or five times, eats and eats and eats, and grows and grows and grows and pops out into a new skin. And after about four or five times, he is now grown into an adult caterpillar. And he attaches himself to a bit of the plant or a twig. And he weaves a silk thread with his mouth and hangs himself on the plant, much like the electrician on the lamppost with a belt around his waist. And he stays there and he wiggles out of that skin one more time. And in that, he's now approaching the pupa stage. And in that stage, a chrysalis is formed under the skin. We often call that the cocoon, but it's actually a chrysalis. It's a hard case that is formed under the skin, full of fluid. And he stays there for about a week or two while changes are taking place under that skin. Wings are being formed, the legs are being formed. He still continues to grow. And when the time comes for the butterfly to be born, he pumps the fluid that's in that abdomen into his wings. And he pumps the fluid into his wings to strengthen the wings and to prepare them to fly. And he pumps the fluid, and in pumping the fluid and strengthening the wing and stretching out, he breaks the chrysalis and he's able to come out. He hangs himself, allows his wings to spread out and dry, and then he can fly away. And he lives for about two weeks. Next slide, please. Just to show you quickly, that is the size of the egg. That is the size of the egg when it is first hatched. That's a real-life size paperclip next to the real-life size egg. So they're that tiny. And the next, again. And so it grows into a caterpillar. From that tiny egg, grows into a caterpillar. Just looking at that ca caterpillar going to the chrysalis, if you notice it's hanging in a J, sort of J, he deliberately hangs himself that way so that the caterpillar can form the way, it's, the, sorry, the butterfly can grow the way it should, and when he comes out, he'll be able to function. He'll be able to break out, and then he will be able to open his wings, and he'll be able to function the way he should. If you look closely, you might be able to see him breaking out of the chrysalis, slowly at the top, and then a little more at the bottom. Next. 
and then there comes the butterfly. Now you might think, that's a wonderful story, but what does that have to do with me and my spiritual journey? Well, here's what I think. I think we can learn a lot from the butterfly. I think the butterflies are a lot like us. They're beautiful, and they're unique, and God created them for a time and for a purpose. Like butterflies, we are born, we are expected to grow, and one day we will die if the Lord tarries. But sadly, I believe that many of us do not feel like butterflies in our Christian walk. We, don't, we do not feel beautiful and fulfilled. We don't feel as if we're going anywhere. It's as if we're stuck in caterpillar mode. That is why I believe there's a lot we can learn from the butterfly. In our scripture reading, our scripture reading ends in 2 Peter 3 verse 18, reading from the contemporary version, it reads like this, Let the wonderful kindness and understanding that comes from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ help you to keep on growing. I believe that one of the reasons we might feel discouraged and unfulfilled in our Christian life is because we're not growing. Any one of us would get worried and discouraged if there's no growth. The relationship isn't going anywhere. The job doesn't offer any prospects. Imagine the mother of a baby born last year, March 10. And the baby this year, 2012, looks the same as it did and behaves the same as it did last year. Wouldn't you be worried? Well, when we are converted, we are born again. And if we're not growing spiritually, we should be concerned as well. If the caterpillar did not grow, it would never become a butterfly. How many of us would like to be caterpillars? I didn't think so. So how do we ensure that we keep on growing? Like the female butterfly that chooses to lay her eggs on a plant, and like the caterpillar that chooses to eat and to hang and to struggle out of that chrysalis, we cannot remain passive. We must make choices to foster our spiritual growth. If the female butterfly decided to lay her eggs on a plant, the caterpillar would die of starvation, and there would be no food. God in his wisdom determines what is necessary for us, his creatures, to grow. And if we do not follow him, if we do not cooperate with him, we will die. In 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, Paul writes, And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It is the Lord in, through his spirit who does the work in us. Our job, as Paul says in, in Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13, is to work hard to show the results of what God has done. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The work in is God's role, the work out is ours. God has given us a new life, it is our responsibility to, to develop it with his help. We should grow. We are expected to grow. As individuals and as a church, 
But we must cooperate with the Holy Spirit for growth. Did you know that the caterpillar grew 27,000 times the size of the egg? About 27,000 times the size of the egg. That's because the caterpillar was feeding. The caterpillar was feeding, so the caterpillar was growing. Feeding is therefore necessary for growth. We must nurture our growth by feeding regularly on the word of God. In Psalm 1 verse 1, the psalmist writes, Oh, the joys of him who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Not scan over it, not pass over it, but meditates on it day and night. When we read the promises of God over and over again, we get to know him better. And they remind us that God is at work in us. The caterpillar will never become the beautiful butterfly if someone decided to help out and cut open the chrysalis. It is the struggle to get out that helps him to emerge as a strong and beautiful creature of nature. God understands this process of struggle, how necessary it is for the butterfly and for us. And it is no wonder that sometimes we experience difficult and even life-changing events. I believe that sometimes God orchestrates these events for our benefit. The struggles that we experience may be seen as a kind of pruning, as, as the elder shared with us on Wednesday night. And in John 15 verse 2, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not bear fruit and he prunes those that do bear fruit so that they can produce more. There are only two choices. Which would you choose? Pruning is painful, as every one of us who does gardening knows. But it is a must for growth. When we remember that it is God or Father who is doing the pruning, we can relax because we know that he's doing it for our benefit. So whatever is happening in your life today, remember, cooperate with God as he prunes. You might recall that J formation where the caterpillar went in when it was almost time for the butterfly to be born. If the caterpillar did not do that, the butterfly would not grow or function as it should. There it is. Thank you. Reconfiguration is necessary for growth. Sometimes we have to reposition ourselves. In Ephesians 4 verse 22, Paul tells us to throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life. Once we decide to get serious about becoming like Jesus, we must begin to develop some new habits, let go of the old routines, and ch intentionally change the way we think. That is how we will grow and become more like Christ in character. Do you recall how many times the caterpillar changed its skin? 
It changed its skin because it was growing too large for the skin. Something was happening on the inside that was being reflected on the outside. And, and so too, we should grow. And as we grow, we should be reflecting more and more Jesus as a source of who we are and what we do. But what do I mean by growing, really? I mean that more and more we should be transformed. We should be allowing ourselves to be transformed into the image of Christ by developing a deep, constant, and intimate relationship with him. I mean that more and more we should be surrendering our will to the will of God so that Christ can live out his life within us. Are we learning to trust Jesus more and more, even in difficult circumstances? Are we learning to have faith in his promises? Are we learning more and more to recognize his voice and to discern his will? Ellen White tells us in Christ's Object Lessons that the object of the Christian life is fruit-bearing. As we, as we receive more and more of the Spirit of Christ, we will grow and bear fruit. Unfortunately, many caterpillars die before becoming butterflies because of a hostile environment. In the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, Jesus tells us what happens to the seeds as they are sown. The seeds could grow. They were expected to grow. But some did not grow because the environment was not right. We need to create the right environment for growth to take place. Not just for ourselves, but for others. In Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25, Paul encourages us to motivate, to seek to motivate each other to acts of love and good works especially now as we see the day of Christ's return drawing near. Some of us feel that spiritual growth is a private matter. And so we, we, we make no attempt to support each other or to seek help to foster our own spiritual growth. There is nothing private about growth. If it is growing, it will show. And so we need to take seriously our responsibility of supporting each other and helping each other to grow. Nowadays, we can go shopping for just about everything instant. Instant eyelashes, instant hair, instant body parts, not to mention the usual instant stuff like instant chocolate. But there's nothing instant about spiritual growth. The process of cooperating with God, the process of feeding, the process of pruning, the process of support, all of that takes time. And so we need to be patient with each other and to realize that God is at work in us, but we must ensure that we are cooperating with him. Like the butterfly, our spiritual growth will take place in different stages, and some stages will last longer than others. In 2 Peter three seventeen and 18, Peter says, 
I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on your guard so that you're not, you're not, you, you're not carried away by the errors of the wicked people. And then in the King James Version, he says, but rather you must grow in grace. I think Peter is saying that we must make a determined effort to grow. Instead of just going with the flow, we need to make the effort to grow. Instead of just settling for a wishy-washy humdrum spiritual life that may lead to us being carried away and losing our own secure footing, we must make a steadfast effort to grow. We should grow spiritually. We are expected to grow. Spiritual growth is the process of a lifetime. Ellen White writes in Christ's Object Lessons, page 67, As in nature, so in grace. There can be no life without growth. We must either grow or die. You and I, we live in a world where people are increasingly satisfied with just getting by. Everything is too difficult, too much of a bother, too much requires too much effort. And unfortunately, this also applies to spiritual things. However, I have found that the times that I have grown the most spiritually have been those times when I have decided to trust God, not just, ex- not just intellectually, but experientially, and face my worst fears. The times when I decided ahead of time that I'm going to do what God says, even though I don't fully understand it. The times when I decide that I'm going to do something, not because I'm closing my eyes and jumping, or because I'm making wild, irrational decisions, but because I've consciously and decisively made up my mind that I'm going to do something that I know I cannot do on my own, because God says I should do it, and because he has promised that he's always there to help. Each experience strengthens my faith. So that the next time around, I am willing to make God lead. It is those experiences that make him real in my life again and again and again. And those are the times that I grow. And those experiences are both terrifying and exciting. Brothers and sisters, may we never forget that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And therefore, I encourage us today to add to our faith goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, more and more, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Christ. Unlike Ashton Kutcher in the film, 
We can't go back and amend either our spiritual or our biological childhood. But we can begin again today. We can catch the vision and we can begin again today with the passion of a child. I dare you. I dare you to look within. I pray that we will all look within. And I pray that when we look within, we will not be so dissatisfied that we feel hopeless. I pray that when we look within, we will not be so satisfied that we feel that we have arrived and we can become complacent. But I pray that when we look within, we will all recognize how different we are from who Jesus wants us to be. I pray that when we look within, we will not feel as if we have read all that there is to read, or that we have sung all that there is to sing, or that we have heard all that there is to hear. But I pray that we will take our spiritual growth seriously, that we will cooperate with God, that we will feed regularly on his word, that we will cooperate with him as he prunes that we will reconfigure our walk, our talk, and the way we live, and that we will support and encourage each other. I pray that we will cooperate with God so that he can transform us from spiritual caterpillars into beautiful butterflies. And I am certain that he who has begun the good work in us will be faithful and will continue that work in us until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ appears. And when that work is finished in us, we will be better than the butterfly. We won't have to just flutter by. We will soar. 